630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Welcome aboard, Pirates. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. Major League Baseball. A 60-game season. They're going to chop 102 games off the schedule. Bob Nightingale covers Major League Baseball. He's a columnist with USA Today. Discussions ongoing. Things being worked out. Bob will have the update in about half an hour. This has been a arduous process for baseball, certainly nasty at times, but looks like they're going to get back on the field report for training camps. I guess really we can't call it spring training because it's going to start on July 1st, a 60 game season expected to start the weekend of July 24th. But we'll get into this with Bob and of course the long history of squabbling in baseball. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm in my basement. It's nice and cool down here. Wherever you are, I hope you've had a great day and are looking ahead to a great evening. You can reach out. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. We will uh, have a little more time for open line and text between 7 and 7.30. That we'll be able to drop some in as we go along. But I mentioned we do have Bob Nightingale lined up. And we're going to launch into the show with a former member of the Edmonton Oilers has spent the last year and a half with the Chicago Blackhawks. So he's going to go up against Edmonton in the qualifying round whenever that gets going. We welcome back to the 630 Chet Airwaves, Drake Kajula. Drake, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show again. Obviously, we, we really haven't had a talk you had a chance to talk since you were traded to the Blackhawks, and I'll offer you congratulations in the last five or six weeks, an engagement, a gender reveal, a lot of exciting things going on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, for a crazy time in the world, it's been uh, a little bit crazy alone just in my household, but uh, a lot of positive news and a lot of a lot of fun news in a time that's been uh, you know, pretty negative around the world, and um, you know, pretty pretty fortunate to. Uh, you know, have a have a baby boy on the way, and um, you know, being engaged is also a really big step. And um, you know, looking forward to the future, and that's uh, it's going to come pretty quick, and we're looking forward to it. Okay, now I, I got to ask you about the the gender reveal. We've all seen the social media posts of gender reveals gone wrong. You mm-hmm. tweeted yours out. It's uh, it looks like it's in the backyard, and you're firing some pucks at, at a net. Uh, I, I think it was the second or third try, which isn't bad. I'm not at all criticizing your marksmanship, but was there ever like, okay, wait a minute. Like, what if I fire 10 right over the crossbar and we're doing this for two or three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, we, I did a test run. So if you watch the video closely, you'll notice that the net already has uh, a blue, a little bit of blue powder and pink powder already on it. Cause I did a test run with uh, one of each and the way the backyard was set up, it's actually my fiance's parents' backyard, but the way their backyard is set up is that the, the net was a little bit lower than where the I was shooting from. So as I'm trying to shoot, I kept realizing that it kept soaring up and over the net. And I'm like, I'm I'm really only aiming at the middle, but it just kept going higher and higher. So I said, okay, we got to make sure that I get a couple practice rounds in. And then I, I finally hit those. And then I said, okay, let's do the, let's do the real ones for now. And um, we're actually going to do five targets and make it more of like the all-star game style and have, you know, if it was a boy or if, since it was a boy, we'd have three blue and two pink. And that way it's a little bit of a, a guessing game as you're shooting. But after I took about 20 practice shots to hit two targets, I said, no, thank you. Let's just do one and make sure I hit it 
pretty early. And first one, it went over the net. The second, or sorry, first one went right underneath it. Second one went over the net, and I was uh, fortunate enough to hit it on the third. All right, and uh, and you're pretty pretty excited. So you are going to have uh, have a boy. So that's what. When's the uh, when's the due date? Uh, the due date's November 9th. Um, it may be a little bit earlier than that. She's actually found out she's probably a week ahead of what she originally thought she was, but, um, you know, we're looking forward to it and, um, it's definitely a life changing moment already. And, um, looking forward to the, uh, the, the challenges to, that are coming in, uh, the future. Well, good for you. And, uh, you know, cool. You shared that with all your fans on, on social media. I'm sure you've had a lot of, a lot of well wishes. Tell me a little bit about this this process for you sitting out and obviously when the season was first placed in the pause with, with the Blackhawks where they were in the standings, you, you didn't even know if you were going to be one of the teams that would be able to come back for a completion of the season or a postseason tournament. So take me through the, the mental side of staying ready and the physical side of trying to stay ready. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a little bit of a even different situation. Uh, it broke my hand in the second last game before the season paused. And, um, at that point they basically told me my season was over. I wasn't going to be able to come back. And, um, mathematically it looked like we were pretty much out of the picture, but, um, so I headed home and, um, you know, just waited for my hand to heal and kind of just sat around and, and did what everybody did for the first little while and just kind of enjoyed the fact of being home and, and being around family and, um, you know, being in quarantine, just watching movies and doing some small workouts in the garage or whatever it may have been. But uh, the first couple months or first month or so was a little bit easier in terms of, you know, you know, you're not coming back to play anytime soon. It's easy to kind of just sit around and and kind of get that summer mode in your mind or kind of that refresh button. And then as the, as the quarantine's gone on and things have started to loosen up and you can see that the return to play is a lot more likely. Um, obviously my, my workouts and, uh, mental state has had to ramp up and, uh, obviously get a lot more, uh, preparation in and, and more workouts, more, um, stick handling in the basement or shooting pucks in the basement, whatever it may be. Um, I'm un- unfortunately, I haven't been able to skate yet. My equipment's been in Chicago and by the time they shipped it here, it would have taken six to eight weeks. So I just, I left it there in Chicago and, um, I'm looking forward to heading back there this week to, to get back on the ice. All right. Drake Kajula from the Chicago Blackhawks joining us on inside sports. So, you know, I'll ask you the question that maybe isn't, isn't totally fair, but I want to get your perspective because I've been one of the guys who's been a little critical of, of the 24 teams coming back. And I've said, look, I don't, I don't know if Chicago and Montreal should be in this tournament g- given where they were in the standing. So, you know, I'll give you a chance to, to fire back or, or debunk what I'm, what I'm saying. Cause obviously the playoffs, you know, have been expanded here. Yeah. I mean, traditionally you would say probably not. We don't, we don't necessarily deserve to be there, but at the same time, um, nobody saw a pandemic coming around and nobody saw the season getting canceled and you never really know. Some teams can get on a, a bit of a hot streak or a bit of a run and, um, that might, that might make things a little bit closer, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. The league is so hard. You, you, I mean, mathematically we had a real, real tough hill to climb, but, uh, you never say never. And as a, as a, as a team, we were, you know, thinking we're still pushing for playoffs. We never thought we were out of it. And, um, now this all started and it makes it a little bit weird in a, a different situation and, um, different circumstances. And we got a, a bit of second life or another opportunity. And, 
I, I mean, we're still not technically in the playoffs. We're, we're in the play-in series. So if fans or whatever are a little upset that we're in, they can always look back and say, oh, they still got to play their way in. And, um, you know, I think looking back at it now, I don't think the regular season really makes a difference at all anymore. Everyone's been home for over 100 days. I don't think there's – if you came first during the regular season or you came last, it doesn't really make a difference at this point. It's just a matter of which team can get uh, – get back to game speed the quickest. And I think that's going to be the telltale of who, who's going to move on. Drake, let, you know, as, as I mentioned off the top, we, we haven't had a chance to talk really since you were traded. I, I don't want to dwell too much on the past, but I think that was a deal that, that caught me a little bit by surprise at the time, just after Christmas in 2018, you got moved from, uh, from the Oilers to the Blackhawks. Take me through that experience for you, it's always tough getting traded. It, it happened at, during the holiday season for you. And I don't know if maybe you, you saw that coming, if, if Peter had told you to prepare for something. What was the trade experience like? Uh, it was a crazy experience, to say the least. Um, it all started with, uh, I think, uh, Wides, Weidman got traded earlier in the day during practice. And then... Um, I'd headed home and I was playing video games with my buddies and I got a text from my agent saying, have you heard anything about being traded? And I was like, no, I'm just sitting at home playing video games. Like I haven't heard anything. And he's like, okay, I'm on my way to, to the Dominican right now. But I, on the way into the airport, I heard your name on the radio and I'm trying to find out some stuff, but my plane takes off in about 20 minutes. So I'm not really sure how much I can figure out. And so now my heart rate's like, 200 and i'm like oh boy what's going on here i gotta do i sit by the phone do i keep playing with my buddies do i just act like nothing's happening right now and just wait for a phone call and so i kind of just said okay well nothing's obviously happened i just gotta wait and see what's going on and uh sure enough like 30 minutes later i get a phone call from from pete and he just kind of said hey like we just moved you to chicago best of luck thanks for everything you've done here and um wish you all the best and it was a very short and sweet conversation and after the phone, we hung up, I, I literally stood around my apartment in Edmonton. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I've never been traded before. I've never been in a situation. So I didn't even know what to do. And I mean, my brain was all over the, all over the map. I was thinking of so many different things running through my mind and what do I do? What do I pack? How much do I bring? How do I get there? Like, where do I live? What do I do with my apartment here? Like all these different questions. And, um, even with Stan Bowman trying to call me after the trade, he had my old phone number from college when he was trying to recruit me. So he'd been calling the wrong phone number. So I didn't even hear from them for like eight hours after I got traded. It was uh, it was a big, a big debacle. I actually even sent a text to the guy saying, Hey, I just got traded. See you later. And they actually added me back into the group chat thinking I was kidding. And uh, it was, I mean, I was sorry, boys, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm out of here. So I, so I left the group chat again. And I mean, it was a, uh, it was a crazy experience for me. I, I never saw it coming. Um, never asked for a trade in that situation. And I mean, it is what it is. That's part of the business. It happens all the time in hockey, but it, it was just uh, for my first time or, or my first ever time being traded. It was uh, a pretty crazy experience. And then I had to sit in Edmonton for six days before my visa got worked out. And um, I mean, most trades go probably a little bit smoother than that one did, but getting traded right around the holiday season is always a, uh, always a difficult time. So it was a crazy time, but uh, everything works out and everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, I'm very excited about being in Chicago. In Edmonton, you got to play with some some great players like McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, who are trying to 
work their way up to team success. You join the Blackhawks, several great players, Kane, Keith, Taves, Seabrook, we can go down the line, who have already had that success. And obviously they're, they're trying to get more, but they have those championships under their, their belt already. What was it like stepping into that, that dressing room with that past success they've had and all those proven players? Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty humbling. Obviously you, you walk in there and you see the pictures and all the Stanley cup stuff. And, um, I mean, my, my two favorite players growing up were Taves and Kane. I had both of their jerseys as a kid. So for me, you know, walking into a locker room and having my stall beside Taser and, um, you know, having the North Dakota connection with him, like it, it was a very cool experience for me being able to walk into that and, um they took me under their wing right away they they made me feel very welcome right away and um you could see just uh you know the way they handled themselves at the arena they had that you know veteran presence and you know guys look up to them and guys listen to them and guys follow what they do and if you know caner's on the ice early then everybody else is on the ice early if caner's off on the ice late and everybody's off the ice late and we just everyone kind of follows the older guys they have that veteran presence around them and everybody knows the individual success that they've had, the team success that they've all had. And it, uh, it's a trickle-down effect for sure. It's contagious. It rubs off on people. And um, there's definitely a winning culture there and, and winning attitude. And it's just a matter of time before uh, the team gets back, uh, back on track again here. All right. And some thoughts on facing your, your old team in this qualifying round. So you're going to be going up against the, the players I just mentioned and a lot of guys that, you know, in a very critical series. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's always weird when you're playing against your old team and uh, especially there's so many familiar faces left on that team. It makes it a little bit more, uh, challenging for myself, but once you get on the ice, you kind of put that to the side and, um, you know, playoff hockey, there's no friendships on the ice, but, um, you obviously respect each other and you like each other off the ice. But when it comes down to Stanley cup hockey, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's me versus you. And, and that's the way I'm, I'm approaching it. I'm sure that's the way they're approaching it. It doesn't really matter. Um, everybody wants to win and everybody wants to, to lift the Stanley cup at some point. So it doesn't really matter who's in your way. Um, obviously after the series, we'll all go right back to being buddies and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely different, but it's, it's also adds fuel to the fire. You're playing against your old, your old organization. You want to kind of, you know, do what you can to, to show them that, oh, maybe they, maybe they gave up on you a little bit too early and, and kind of just show them that you can, um, you know, play that, uh, that spoiler role against the old team and, it's a lot of fun. I, I always have fun going back to Edmonton and playing in that arena or when the uh, guys come to Chicago, it's always great to have them there and then see them for dinner and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, going into the playoffs, it's, it's playoff hockey. It's, there's no friendships, like I said, and um, it'll be a good series. That's for sure. Well, Drake, it's really cool to catch up with you. All the best here as you, uh, you transport to Chicago and get back on the ice. And, of course, uh, all the best with, uh, with the marriage, with the upcoming uh, addition to, uh, to, you, to the lives of you and Laura. We really appreciate you sharing that story. Thanks for checking in on Inside Sports tonight. Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. All right, good to chat with Drake Kajula now with the Chicago Blackhawks. That high-pressure shot of the gender reveal with his fiance Laura. I tweeted out the video of that if you haven't already seen it. And then an interesting tale of the day he was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks just after Christmas in 2018. Found out from his agent, just as his agent was going to get on a flight for a bit of a vacation. 
and Kajula kind of stuck hanging out, not one, uh, not knowing what's going to happen before he got a brief phone call from Peter Shirelli. And then, yeah, he couldn't get to Chicago immediately because of visa issues. I believe he was skating with the Short Park Crusaders for five or six days before he was able to join the Hawks. I asked him about it. He knows the Hawks, you know, weren't on pace to be in the playoffs, but they got a chance here to take down the Oilers and get into that 16-team tournament. 780-496-0063, the number to call or text. We're back after the break. And Bob Nightingale on the baseball issue of getting back on the field. He's coming up after the news. I'll be your light, your match, your burning sun. I'll be the bright in black that's making you run. Hey, what do we have here, Kelly? This is a cover of One Republic's Love Runs Out by a group that I've never heard of before, Vandenberg's Moon Kings. All right, good to hear from Roadhammer, our first and only champion to this point in the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Roadhammer, hope you're keeping that belt in good shape. Eventually, we're going to have to display it publicly. Novak Djokovic and his wife have tested positive for the coronavirus after he played in a series of exhibition matches he organized in Serbia and Croatia. They did not employ social distancing. So this raising some questions about the return of tennis, including the U.S. Open, which is planned for August. And also Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike Tomlin says two unidentified players have tested positive for COVID-19 and have recovered. He said the players tested positive at some point earlier this year. All right. So the latest on that, the latest on baseball and uh, probably a look back as well at the uh, long history of squabbling between the owners and the players, Bob Nightingale from USA Today when we return. Thirty-three inside sports back into the two-hour time slot, six to eight every weeknight here on six thirty. Chad, whenever the NHL season resumes, we will bring you Oilers broadcasts. Whenever the Canadian Football League resumes, we will bring you Edmonton Eskimos broadcasts. We already would have been a couple of weeks into the CFL season. Instead, they are hoping to kick off in September, have a shortened season, and maybe push the Grey Cup back into January. Shortened seasons being discussed in a lot of sports. And, of course, in Major League Baseball, where it could be really, really short compared to what they usually do, Bob Nightingale, baseball columnist with USA Today, is on the line. Bob, you're on with Reed at Chet in Edmonton. Thank you so much for chiming in today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. I appreciate uh, you bringing us uh, the update tonight. And I know it's kind of a fluid situation. But, Bob, before we, we get into what's happening now, I'm hoping you can just give some context because I've kind of presented it very sort of as an overview in my own way, just based on a couple books I've read, you know, Lords of the Realm and stuff like that. But can you kind of give everybody a context of just the squabbling between owners and players that maybe defines baseball history as much as anything else in the sport? Well, it's the only sport, you know, without the revenue sharing. So they just kind of, the, the hatred's gone on because of no cooperation between the two sides. You know, they don't share things, no salary cap. 
So it goes from there. And it's just a, uh, been going on forever. Ever since the Marvin Miller, Bowie Cohen days, it's been wild. Doesn't it even go back to, like, the early days of the the National League, like the 1880s, where there even squabbles over the, the meager paychecks then and just kind of distrust between the owners and, owners and the players? Yeah, you're right. Got to run forever. You know, I mean, every, you know, talk about the Kurt Flood case, you know, um, you know, the uh, Andy and Messermuth uh, free agency. So, yeah, it has been going on forever. And uh, that's the way it is. Nobody wanted to see it from the pandemic and what's going on and, uh, you know, throughout throughout the world, uh, unemployment, everything else. But it happened. All right. So, Bob, give us the, the latest this hour as to uh, where we are with the negotiations and the playing conditions and a 2020 season. Uh, yeah, so the spring training will start uh, July 1st. Uh, games to start late July 24th weekend, and uh, players will start reporting to camps uh, this week. Uh, you got to be there by July 1st. What are the players going to be paid out of all this? How is the salary going to be structured for a guy? They're going to get prorated pay. So, uh, so everything's uh, uh, going to get, they'll get about 37% of their overall uh, paycheck. But they want a full prorated pay, so they get 60 games per, uh, on their salaries. Okay. So is this going to be, is, is this going to go smoothly in your mind, or is this just going to add to more bad blood and distrust down the road? Uh, probably more bad blood and mistrust. Uh, it never ends. So it's something to do with CBA, and uh, you know that, that's next year. Who knows what happens? You know, December first uh, deadline for that uh, of next year. You know, looks like that could be ugly negotiations too. If these are ugly during these conditions, who knows what's next? In your mind, and, and from you covering it, what was the biggest hangup in the in this process? I mean, obviously, I know there was the coronavirus, but in terms of being able to play and, and having to live with such a shortened season, what was the biggest hang-up that prevented them from saying, okay, we can get on with it? Uh, I think just the uh, that March 26 agreement where the players thought they deserved for way to pay. Uh, MLB owners said, no, no, uh, with no fans, travel restrictions. It says right here in black and white, we can restructure the contract. So it's a, uh, yeah, that, that was the biggest problem. Okay. Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball columnist with USA Today, joining us on Inside Sports. So he's giving you the lowdown of how the baseball season will proceed. Okay, Bob, I mean, here's the obvious question. Baseball is supposed to be a 162-game grind. You know, your, your starting pitchers are getting 30, 35 starts a year. The, the, the great uh, hitters, you know, they're the guys, they got to separate themselves by getting those two or three extra hits a month. You know, that's how you get that higher average. It's that day after day, you win 57% of your games, you've had a great season, you lose 50%, you're, you're well out of it. That's going to be all gone. I mean, how can we look at this season and say, oh, yeah, I can kind of take this season seriously? You know what I'm getting at? Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a short season, everything out, but a, uh, uh, it's all done. I mean, it's, a, uh, it's still going to come the same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, just, it's, it's going to be a, uh, you know, the World Series will fill just the same. All right. And there's no expanded playoffs in this? It's the same way? Uh, yeah, same way. Ten, ten teams, and that's it. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, well, before I let you go, I guess I can ask you this question because they are going to get on the field. Who are the favorites going into this season? Seems like so long we've actually, it's been a long time since anybody's kind of looked at a roster or done any prognostication that way. Yeah. Uh, I still think the, the, the Dodgers and Oakland A's, I really like the Dodgers. Very deep team and powerful team. Uh, I'm going to go with those two teams. Dodgers, Oakland A's, rematch of 88. Okay. Bob, I know it's a busy time for you. Thanks for chiming in here on 630 Chet in Edmonton. All the best. I hope we can do this again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. That is Bob Nightingale checking in, Major League Baseball columnist with USA Today. So there's the lowdown. July 1st for training camps. I'm not going to call it spring training because it's not the spring. Uh, July 24th for start of the season. The playoffs will be 10 teams. So the six division champions and two wildcard teams in each league to play that one game play in. The players will get their prorated pay. As Bob said, they'll get about 37% of their salaries. And as Bob touched on, it will probably just lead to uh, more distrust down the road in future negotiations between the two sides. So there you have that. Uh, I got a text here from Chris. He says, hey, Reed, what is the over-under on baseball not finishing the season? I say it's 75% that they will shut down before the playoffs. They have no bubble policy. They have to go to hot spots. It's a disaster in the making. Yeah, Chris, that's a fair concern. I mean, I've heard from a lot of hockey fans, especially in this part of the world, who are hesitant about the NHL's approach and will it work to put the players in bubbles and keep them in hotels and keep them in, you know, like, for example – ice district in Edmonton or wherever they might wind up going, is that going to be safe enough? Is the NBA going to be safe enough playing where they are in Florida? And then baseball is going to go ahead with this plan. And as as I'm sure you've seen, there are still, I think about 18 States in the, in the U S where the, uh, the coronavirus cases rose by more than 10% in the last few days. So that's, that's certainly a concern. Good observation by Chris. If, if they wind up, pulling the plug on the season it would certainly be a pr nightmare and baseball like all sports but baseball would have uh, another black eye on it which they faced before jim the jimmer also texting in he says baseball is a dying sport oh wow jim the jimmer is not optimistic here about baseball uh jim the jimmer says baseball is a dying sport they are going to play a 60 game season and most people won't even notice or miss the other 102 games. I guess you could say the sport is going, going, gone. That is from Jim the Jimmer, who has an interesting handle and uh, an interesting take on the future of Major League Baseball. And he says it doesn't really have one. I think baseball is going to be around. They have their challenges. The sport has its challenges. Uh, Mike Sielski, who's a sports writer in Philadelphia a couple days ago, published an article about the the challenges that baseball has and it is just basically how it is not sort of a modern game and uh, what did he call it here well he called it dull i just brought up the article uh first of all he points out games taking three hours and five minutes and that that's an excellent point hockey games generally take two and a half hours now if they say they start at seven they don't. They usually start at 7.07, 7.08, 7.10. So you might be in the rink for two hours and 45 minutes, but you're probably in your car and on your way home or close to home three hours in. In a baseball game, you're still in the ninth inning after about three hours on average. So I think that's a problem. 
a lot of downtime, the pitching changes, the length of time between innings, all that kind of stuff. I mean, baseball, everything you would describe, you would, everything, you, all the words you would use to describe the modern world with the technology and the instant gratification and all those types of things would probably not be used to describe baseball. And I'm not trying to sound anti-baseball here. I just think it's probably going to have to do something to adapt. Certainly the pace of play has to be sped up. It doesn't interest me as much to watch a regular season baseball game as much as it would have even 10 or 15 years ago. Certainly in the 90s, I watched a lot of baseball um, because um, the Blue Jays were good. The Expos had some obviously good years in the 90s. The 94 team was a favorite to win the World Series. So, But if the Blue Jays aren't engaging me and there's not a great race or personal pursuit during the regular season, I'm probably not going to watch the, the baseball regular season as closely. The playoffs are generally exciting, though those games get even longer. I mean, you can almost start watching two hours after the game started and still see the last four or five innings. All right, 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. We're back after the break. Leon Dreisaitl, leading scorer in the National Hockey League, might win the Hart Trophy. Maybe in the Hall of Fame someday. Hall of Fame class going to be announced this week from the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. 646, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, we're back to our two-hour show. Really appreciate you tuning in. Evan Dom from Canada West. We'll check in a little bit later on as, uh, of course, the U of A has pulled the plug on its seasons. What could that mean for Canada West Conference? Could other schools follow suit? Why haven't they yet? If uh, the budget cuts in Alberta were so harmful, so we'll try to ask some of those questions with Evan, Bob Nightingale was on the show. So here's the story with baseball that's evolving tonight. July 1st, players report to training camp. Season starts July 24th. Players get about 37% of their salaries. And he's picking the Dodgers and the Oakland A's to play in the World Series, a rematch of 1988. The first of three years in a row that the Oakland A's were in the World Series, the team of Conseco and McGuire at the time. Who would have Bell's been on that team? Dave Stewart pitching. Uh, I believe, I think Storm Davis was one of the pitchers. That's a great name. Uh, Bob Welch was one of the pitchers. Dennis Eckersley was the closer. They would have had Mike Gallego. They would have had, I think they had Dave Henderson, uh, Walt Weiss. Was there not a Terry Steinbach? Does that sound right, Kellen? I don't know. Not, not the author. <laughs> who was who was the author? John Steinbach. John Steinbach. Uh, John Steinbach was the one. Right, author. and Terry Steinbach, I believe, <laughs> was the catcher. Any experts mm. on the 1988 Golden, uh, golden on the A's. 1988 <laughs> Golden A's, as they were known? That's not true. That's that's what they called them. They play in Golden <laughs> State, so they call them the Golden A's. I was going to so say were, that's probably a little bit uh, before Ricky Henderson's stint in Oakland, right? Uh... Who would have he been with at the time? Because I think that's early 90s with Ricky. I'm going to Ricky Henderson's baseball reference page right now. 
he well he'd already been with the A's and then he was with the Yankees at that time and then he went back to Oakland uh during the 89 season so he ah, was not on okay. the he was not on the 88 team uh and then yeah Oakland and then he was Toronto briefly back to Oakland San Diego oh, man he really bounced around late in his career San Diego Anaheim back to Oakland the Mets Seattle San Diego Boston and the LA Dodgers as a 44 year old in 2003 great great, great base dealer 1406 mm. base dealers so anyway but the to get back to the 88 World Series Kirk Gibson's home run right the right. the hobbly home run off Dennis Eckersley where the Dodgers you know, stole that game in the bottom of the ninth and won the World Series upsetting the A's 89 was uh, the A's over the San Francisco Giants in the World Series that was delayed by the earthquake in the Bay Area. And then 90 was the Cincinnati Reds. I'm thinking led by Jose Rio on the mound. Uh, beat in. I think they might have swept the A's. And I think that would have been considered a bit of an upset as well. So anyway, that's that's where he's uh, going with that. As I, Yeah, you guys got to text in and stop me when I start doing that. Because trust me, I could just, just, who knows what tangent I'm going to wind up on. Marty says, uh, Reed, still looking for information on the Stampeders backup quarterback. Well, keep looking, Marty. <laughs> That's, come on, Marty. You, could just, you, you, can go to the, you can go to the Stampeders website for that. Or just call John Huffnagel. Doesn't everybody in Calgary have his number? That's what I thought. Uh, Chris texting in. He says, Reed, I have a feeling that Toronto and Edmonton will be the hubs. Vegas might shut down as cases are skyrocketing. Bettman said safety first, so numbers matter. Well, that is still on the table. They're down to six teams, six cities, pardon me, Chicago, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and the States to be a hub for the NHL, Toronto, Vancouver, and Edmonton. Chris Johnson from Sportsnet was on our show last night, and he says that, there's going to be one Canadian city for sure. He thinks Edmonton and Vancouver are ahead of Toronto. At least that's what he thought about 24 hours ago. And he said maybe they would go with two Canadian hubs if if they have to because they, they just don't feel comfortable going into the United States. Pittsburgh confirmed today that, that they've been told there aren't going to be a hub, though Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic talked about that yesterday as well. So, yeah, Chris, that, that's, that's a fair point. There's a lot to consider here for the National Hockey League. A few texts coming in about my interview with Drake Kajula. It was good to catch up with him. Roger says, Reed, enjoyed your interview with Drake Kajula. Very well-spoken young man. However... I don't think he would fit in on this current Oilers roster. Not skilled enough to play in the top six, not a good enough penalty killer to be in the bottom six, would probably be a healthy scratch with the improved lineup Ken Holland put together. That is from Roger, who does not think Drake Kajula would be a regular with the Edmonton Oilers had he not been traded. Yeah, I think Kajula, you know, there definitely were – some signs there of him being a productive player. I, I think he could bounce around the lineup a little bit. I I don't really know how I would have defined him necessarily yet. And sometimes that can hurt a player a little bit with a coach. Skids O'Toole writes in, he says, trading Kajula for Brandon Manning might be Peter Shirelli's worst deal. And there are a lot of bad ones. Kajula was rounding into a third line forward and he came cheap. And then hearing Kajula tell the story of being traded, Make Shirelli look even worse. He didn't even handle it professionally. 
and let Kajula know before he found out from other sources. That is from Skids O'Toole, 780-496-0063. And uh, Marty says, Reed, I remember you and Rob Brown talking about the Kajula trade and Rob Brown saying he didn't understand it. I felt the same way at the time and still do. That is from Marty. Yeah, that, they also traded uh, Chris Weidman that day, who only got into about five or six games for the Oilers. And then it was Kajula and Jason Garrison to the Blackhawks for Brandon Manning and Robin Norell. Obviously, uh, Manning most of his time in the minors while he's been with the Oilers. Uh, still somewhat despised, I think in some cases uh, largely despised because of his feud with Connor McDavid from a few years ago and the uh, the check that broke McDavid's collarbone in his rookie season. I think a lot of fans have... Well, I get the impression a lot of fans never really forgave Manning for that. But that that was a head-scratcher at the time. We have a phone call, 780-496-0063. The secret professor yes. is on the line. What a titillating title. Go ahead, secret professor. Thank you, Reed. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Great. I'm, I'm glad that I got on quick because I'm super nervous calling into these call-in shows, you know. Um, two things. I wanted to uh, quickly thank you for coming on our podcast uh, this week. It was a pleasure to have you on, and it went uh, even better than we could have hoped. The Handkerchief uh, Dynasty podcast family is uh, eternally grateful to you. Well, thanks for having me on. I've tweeted out a link to that. It was fun talking to you guys, uh, even though, like, you're falling into this whole thing that bagged milk started here in Edmonton, just coming up with a wacky name, and that's your online persona, Secret Professor. And maybe, well, maybe that's your real name, or maybe you actually are a professor. I don't know. All will be revealed in time, my friend. All will be revealed in time. <laughs> Worry not. Um, we also actually just did a, an interview with um, Robin Brownlee today, too, so people should check that out as well. If they just Google Handkerchief Dynasty, you'll be able to find us. Um, but anyways, enough self-promotion. I wanted to ask, we wanted to ask you this last night, but we didn't get around to it. So we're both just kind of curious, like, why isn't Connor McDavid in the Hart Trophy conversation at all? Like, it's like, is Leon is there. Obviously, there's still some debate, which is kind of ridiculous. And then it's Panarin and McKinnon. But, you know, when you look at points per game and, you know, you look at him having the second number, second most points in the league, it's really bizarre to us that he's not in the conversation at all, not even a little bit. Well, I'm not a voter, secret professor, so I have to speculate a, a little bit on how other voters feel about it. But I think there is a reluctance to pick two players from the same team. You know, it's it's the player who is judged to be the most valuable to his team. And I think there is a reluctance to pick two from the same team. And, and if you look at the history of the Hart Trophy, I, I think there's been a couple times with two nominees on this, on the same team, but it, it it's it's pretty rare. So I think if you're picking an Oiler, you pick Dreisaitl because he played every game, because he excelled with and without McDavid. Uh, and, and because he was leading the league in points. So I, I simply think that's what it comes down to. I mean, Connor McDavid still had a great season. I'm sure he will get Hart Trophy votes. I don't know how many he will get uh, in the top three to make him a finalist. Yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sure he's not He's not going to be in the top three. It's just, um, yeah, it's definitely the, that they're on the same team, I suppose. I mean, again, we get screwed, but, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. I know how many angry phone calls you get, so... <laughs> it's it's okay I, I i don't get that many secret professor thanks for having me on the podcast thanks for listening to the show tonight have a good one yeah you too take care bro that is the secret professor we've had some good names tonight secret professor jim the jimmer schizo tool my goodness road it's hammer interest, it's interesting well we've known road hammer a while though but that's I mean, road hammer's name. it is a good name it just road hammer's name doesn't seem different to us anymore
<laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Roadhammer, you have normalized your name. That's good. 780-496-0063. A uh, few more texts, few more phone calls. Keep them coming. Always happy to hear from you. We have an interesting comment from Dr. Hinshaw and a little bit from WHL Commissioner Ron Robison, who was on with Bob earlier today. Be back after the news, guys. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.